Welcome to Scaling with Disha, the show that helps online entrepreneurs to scale their business to six figures and beyond without the hustle or the overheads. I'm your host, Disha Wadup, and I'll be here each week to remind you that you can do anything you set your mind to. Hello, everybody. I am so excited to have Carol here with me today. We are going to be talking all about reframing, and it's going to be so exciting. So Carol is known as the queen of reframe, who helps you reframe any challenge so you can double or triple your income in record time. She brings the discipline of being a professional athlete and a savvy of 27 years of experience as a sales expert in Fortune 100 companies like AT&T, Sprint, and Paychecks to bet for her clients. Her clients say she's relentless in supporting them to get the results that they want. Carol helps female business owners to know their value, own their power, and advocate for themselves so they rise up and become the lioness leaders they were created to be. I love that phrase, lioness leaders. Welcome, Carol. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, tell me, tell me your, your story, your background. I want to hear everything. How did you become Carol Boston? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have time for everything. I might have to come back. I might have to come back twice. But um, yeah, I'm an ex-collegiate and professional tennis player. Like you said, and then spent 27 years very successfully as a sales expert. But both of those things happened because I trusted in someone else's vision for me until I could believe it for myself. I didn't start playing tennis until I was 15. Um, My dad tried to get me to play when I was 13 and I was very competitive. I grew up between two brothers. I knew how to play tackle football and baseball and basketball. And he said, let's play tennis. And I was like, what's that? He goes, oh, it's a lot like baseball. You can do this. And I couldn't. I literally took the racket up, put it in front of the net and looked at my dad and said, don't you ever ask me to do this again. You brought me out here to embarrass me, right? Because other sports had come naturally. Fast forward a couple of years, my friends from the swim team would go down and play tennis in between swim practices and being competitive. I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Now, we didn't come for money. So I got the old, this is way before your time. I'm much older than you are. So we had the old, the old wooden, small wooden rackets, right? And we didn't have money, but I would go down and sit on the side of the court and I would listen to the pro teach the other kids. And my mind was a sponge. I knew. And another thing I learned, and I helped my clients with this in business today is I learned that if I could get those kids who were better than me to play with me, I could get better. Right. How does that tie into your business? Who do you surround yourself with? Who are you surrounding yourself with in business? I left the mastermind back in November and the gentleman said, why are you leaving us? Cause I'm the smartest person in the room. I, I don't, I need to be in a room where there's people know a lot more than I know if I'm going to grow. Very important piece to learn. So I managed to get on the high school team. I played number six. I was ecstatic because the first six get to play singles. Now, here's the thing. And you'll hear me talk. I I feel very, very blessed in life. The other five girls on the high school team all came from money, all had a private coach, and they'd all been playing since they were five years old. You think they were better than me? Heck yeah. Now, I really got to play with people that were better than me so I could learn. Fast forward to the end of my junior year. My dad, who's very Southern, he says, now, Carol, you need to get a job or you need to get an academic scholarship because I can't send you to college. And I said, but I'm going to get a tennis scholarship. He paused. He looked down his nose at me. He said, like I said, get a job or get an academic scholarship. 
And that's another thing I help my clients with is often we think that the people that are closest to us, our parents and our friends are going to be our supporters. And often they're not for whatever the reason makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I help my clients understand that God didn't give your vision to them. He gave it to you. It's your job to surround the people, excuse me, surround yourself with the people that will support you. But there was somebody who believed in me and I trusted in his vision for me. And that's how I got, I actually got three full, full scholarships. I didn't take any of those. I took a half scholarship because I wanted to be an LSU tiger. I still, after 40 something years, have my LSU cup. And so I got a half scholarship, took out a loan and off I went. Guess what I did? I started playing number six again with a bunch of people that were better than me. Now, here's one of the things I have a new course I'm developing. It's um, Limitless Leadership Academy, Academy, Seven Steps to an Unstoppable Business. And one of the steps is raising your game, how to become a professional athlete in your business. So getting to college, once again, playing with people better than me, you know, one of the things that I teach people is to be a professional athlete in your business, you have to show up every day, no matter what you feel like. And trust me, there was days I would practice with a lot of the men as well. I would come home bruised. I couldn't get out of the way fast enough. They would hit the ball so hard, but I was determined to learn how to do this. Fast forward to the end of my freshman year. The rest of my team takes the summer off. Here's lesson number two. Sometimes you have to be willing to practice when everybody else is resting. That doesn't mean you become a workaholic, but that summer they took off. I got on the 21 and under tour and I worked my butt off all summer long. I came back in August to tryouts and guess what happened? Same ladies on the team. We had one new freshman out of Canada. All the other ladies were the same. I went from playing number six to playing number two. Before the end of that semester, I was playing number one and I got a full scholarship that I wanted, right? Then I became the team captain for three years. So there's always been a way that I was stepping into leadership. Another thing I would tell you if you want to become a professional athlete in your business is you have to be willing to do the same thing repetitively over and over until you master it. Right? I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I had a, a mentor back in 2007 and he taught me several things that I've never forgotten. But one of them is anything worth doing. He looked me in the eye and he goes, Carol, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly the first time. And then that you get is that brilliant. Away. I love that. Yeah, because it gets you into action. You can make a mid-course correction and get better. So fast forward to the spring of 1987, I was off of the tennis tour due to injuries. I was going through a divorce. I knew I didn't want to be a tennis teaching professional my whole life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. How many of us like don't always know what we wanted to do? And, and my car caught on fire and the insurance wouldn't pay for it. So what do you think I did? I called my dad. He's been in the insurance business for 35 years. I'm going to call him. So I call him up. He says, now, Carol, you know, I ain't in that kind of insurance. But if you come home, I got somebody to help you get a car, even if you don't have a job. I said, okay, dad. So off I went, got a new car. And I went to Dallas, Texas, and I lived with my second cousin. She was head of personnel for Neiman Marcus. Um, I think Neiman Marcus is kind of compared to Harrods over in London. That's kind oh, yeah. of upscale store. Yeah. So she taught me how to buy the Navy suit and wear the pearls and the high heels and the pantyhose. And aren't you glad we don't have to wear pantyhose anymore? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it was an important time in the United States. 
The government had just broken up the monopoly of AT&T and all the baby bells. So competition for long distance service and all those things was fierce. And I got hired by a company called Metro Media Communications. And the lady who hired me said, can you come in tomorrow and meet my boss, the vice president? And I said, sure. So I go in the next day and she interviews me and she kind of sits back and she looks me up and down and she says, great, I'll see you in Miami, Florida in a week. And I said, no, you won't. I really did this. Now, mind you, I needed a job, right? I said, you've got an office in Dallas. I'm interviewing in Dallas. My friends from the tennis tour are in Dallas and my family's three and a half hours away. I'm working in Dallas. <laughs> and I just sat there, right? And she looks me up and down again and she says, I need somebody really strong in Miami in a week. And I push back again. I'm like, how do you know I'm strong? I've never done this before. And she said, just trust me and be there in a week. And so I did. And it led to an almost 27-year successful sales career. So that was twice in my life that I chose to trust someone else's vision for me until I could believe it for myself. The third time, and I won't go into that. I don't want to take up your whole day to all these stories. But the third time is how I became a professional speaker, was entrusting in someone else's vision for me as well. So there I was in the summer of 2014. I had sold over $70 million in revenue, walked the stages, gotten the awards, managed the people. I thought I had it made. I could do this in my sleep until the day I got that phone call. And they told me they were cutting my territory by 80%. And I said, 80%? I've been building this territory for six and a half years. Now, you didn't have to tell me twice. I thought they were setting me up to fail. Now, let me tell you this. I was a weird salesperson. I loved large corporate structure and I'm a rule follower. Not true for most salespeople. <laughs> but a friend of mine whispered in my ear about an opportunity at a really small company. I thought, okay, off I'll go. Two interviews later, they doubled my base salary plus commissions and they gave me a director title. I could just see the potential, right? Now, there I was six weeks into this job. I was actually on vacation. I negotiated it in my contract up front because I'd already paid for the vacation. And I was being what I thought at the time was a good employee. Now, I do not advocate this for my clients anymore, but I was staying in touch with my boss, the CEO, while I was on vacation. And he sent me an email and asked my opinion on something. So I replied right back. And I waited because he usually replies right back. And he didn't. 12 hours later, we come in from dinner and cocktails, ding, there goes my phone. Carol Boston, you've got mail. Here's what it said. It said, Carol, comma, that's what you really think. And it had five question marks behind it. Then it said, don't come into this office on Monday when your vacation is over. You're done here. What? I, I just got fired? I don't get fired, I thought, in an email for an opinion I was asked for? Wow. Wow is right. So one of the reasons it's really important to me to help my clients learn how to advocate for themselves is because I didn't do it seven years ago. Florida, where I was living, it's called a no-fault, an at-will state. That means they can basically fire you for almost any reason they want to. So I didn't even, I didn't even question it. I just came back and I had an interview the very next day. And I interviewed all over this country, sometimes four interviews deep to total silence. Wow. I did this for so many months. I depleted my 401k savings. Later this year, my next book is coming out and it's going to be called, You Can't Read the Label When You're Inside a Jar. 
and we're all in a jar, right? So there I was in my jar. And all I could see is that I was this buttoned up corporate sales professional. I had to get a job. Nobody in my family ever owned their own business. I never thought about owning my own business. As a matter of fact, someone just told me the other day, that's the name of your next book after that one is The Reluctant Entrepreneur. I'm known as The Reluctant Entrepreneur. (laughs) So faith is my foundation. That's where I always go. And there I was in my prayer time. And I'm literally yelling. I'm like, God, (laughs) I'm like, look, you made me. You know, I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur. I do not want to own my own business. You got to help me find a good job. Two weeks to the day from that prayer, out of the blue, I got an email from a woman. I met her one time out of town at a conference. We had maybe chatted for 30 minutes. She gifted me a $3,500 ticket to go to Los Angeles to study at Guerrilla Business School. Now, I tell people my God has a sense of humor, right? Because Guerrilla Business School was a foundation school for entrepreneurs. So I figured, I don't know what I don't know. And off I went. And that was the first thing I learned is you can't read the label when you're inside a jar. The second thing I learned was about empowering questions. And I was so amazed that I was determined to master them. And I've been doing that since 2015. It's how I've become known as the queen of reframe. Because empowering questions allow you to reframe from focusing on what isn't working. And isn't that what most people do? They focus on what's not working. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and they don't know, they don't understand that what they focus on expands. Yeah. So empowering questions allow you to reframe from focusing on what isn't working. And they open you to opportunities you've never even considered. When you craft them correctly and you put them out to God in the universe, what you're saying is I'm open to hearing, seeing, saying, or doing something I've never thought of before. They cause you to get curious. They cause you to ponder. They open up your awareness. They create what I call Oprah aha moments. You know, you've had people go, oh, wow, never thought of that before. Like, where did that come from? Right? Because they do what? They get you outside of your jar. We all have opportunities sitting right here that we cannot see. The main reason we cannot see them, there's a couple of reasons, but one of them is they don't look like what we think they should look like. Absolutely. Always the way. And most of them also are going to be a little bit outside of our comfort zone, which is the only place we grow, right? I tell people discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. Oh, yeah. You've got to get uncomfortable to grow. You've got to get outside your comfort zone. I always, yeah. my, my voice phrase, my, my friends always laugh at me because they'll always text it back to me if I, if I get, you know, a bit of jitters. I'll, <laughs> I'll say nothing good happens inside of your comfort zone. And, and, I, and I always say this, and my friends literally message me back if I go, I don't want to do that. And they'll go, nothing good happens inside your comfort zone. I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs> I'll do it. You're blessed to have good friends that'll do that for you, though, right? Yeah. Because you're in a jar, too. That's why I believe everybody needs a good coach. Every coach needs to have a coach. All of us are in a jar. I had my new coach say something to me two weeks ago that I was like, Really? Like, I couldn't see it because I'm in it. Yeah. It was amazing. I was so grateful. I was, um, it was amazing. And so fast forward from 2015, when I began this journey to 2017, guess what I was doing? I had gotten two coaching certifications and I was still holding on to three of my own products and services, trying to sell them into HR of corporate America. Why would I do that? 
because it was familiar, mm-hmm. not because it was comfortable. And people confuse the two of those things. I was not comfortable. I was scattered. I wasn't making any money. And I had to learn that there was a big difference between being committed and being convicted. What do I mean by that? People decommit every day, don't they? They say, I'm committed to this marriage for life until the day I'm not. Right? I mean, or the gym. I hit that one a lot. I'm going to go to the gym today. Are you though? (laughs) Exactly. People do that with their weight all the time. But here's what people don't understand. Every time you do that and you don't keep your word to you and it's insidious, you don't even really know that it's happening. If I told you I was going to do something five times in a row and I didn't do it, you would start not to trust my word so much, wouldn't you? But when we do it to our, when we do it to ourselves, we don't pay attention. It's very insidious. And then people wonder why they quit taking action. Here's the thing, though. When you're convicted to do something, you will not rest until you get it done. And you understand that your comfort and your convenience and your conviction don't live on the same block. They're not even in the same zip code. And when I learned that, I got rid of those three services and I became all in. And that's where I jumped in in 2018. As a, I called myself a leadership coach. And after a year had gone by, I noticed that all my clients kept saying, you got to meet Carol, my amazing business coach. And I'm like, I'm not a business coach. I'm a leadership coach. This is what I said. Now, mind you, most of these people were doubling and tripling their income. Documented true. Two things I learned. One, I wasn't ready to take ownership that I could help somebody do that. Right. I was playing small. And so in the spring of 2019, I went to a private mastermind with a lady I mentioned to you earlier. Her name is Suzanne Evans, phenomenal business coach, multimillionaire coaching business. Um, And I came back from this private mastermind and I had an office back at the time. And there was a lady there and she helped me with my content for my speeches, my talks and my workshops. And I looked at her and I said, Lori, either I don't know how to explain myself or Suzanne just doesn't get me. And she said, and I paid a lot of money for this mastermind. And she said, she said, what do you mean? I said, she says, I'm a business coach. I'm not a business coach. And Lori helped me understand that all the leadership principles and habits and tools that I was getting my clients to embrace and adopt was resulting in them stepping into greater leadership in their business. But what they were viewing was the results as many of them were doubling and tripling their income. So good eye-opening lesson for me. Now, the last couple of years along the way, when I see my clients really growing, letting go of old habits that aren't serving them, adopting new good leadership habits, I ask them, can you see how much you've grown here? Can you see that you no longer are making emotional decisions? You're making good business decisions. That is so powerful there. What you just said about, because um, I, I talk about the difference between want and need when you're marketing and you're talking to people and you you wanted to give them leadership coaching, right? But and and but they want business coaching. So you market them business coaching, and you give them what they actually need, which is leadership coaching. And you so you give them what they want. You sell them what they want, and actually give them what they need, which is the leadership part of it. I love that. And I so appreciate you saying that because in that fall of 2017, before I became all in. When I got my second coaching certification, his name was Christian Michelson. 
He's a multimillionaire coach to coaches. That's all he does is he coaches coaches. You're going to die. This is a true story. So we were on a call before Zoom, right? And there's about 150 people on the call. And he says, Carol, you're a sales coach. I said, I don't want to be a sales coach. He said, it's the hottest niche with the fewest good coaches and you are really good. And I said, I don't want to be a sales coach. He kind of sighed. He goes, okay, Carol, what do you want to do? And I said, my ideal client knows and accepts that they are 100% responsible for their experience of life. Let me tell you, this man groaned so loudly. He went, oh, my God. (laughs) He goes, personal development, Carol, that sounds like work. And it sounds hard. Nobody's paying for work. And he was the first one to say, sell them what they want and give them what they need. Now, remember, I'm still in my jar and my jar says I'm a rule follower and that is a bait and switch to me. In my language, that seat felt like bait and switch. I did. It took me over two years to understand it. Yeah. It's, it's a hard shift, isn't it? When you think about it, you're like, ah, oh. and people get, you often get stuck in, like you say, inside of your jar where you're looking and thinking, but this is what I want to do. And this is how I can help people. And this is what I offer. And I'm like, yeah, but nobody wants that. Exactly. <laughs> nobody wants it. They need it. They don't want it. Like, that's not what they want at all. You have to go left field and tell them that this is what they need, they want, and then give them what you want to give them and what they actually need to move forward. Exactly. And when you said that, that quote from one of my clients that Carol is uh, um, relentless in making sure we get good results. She hired me back in October of 2018. She was a female family lawyer, had her own practice. She had heard me speak at a luncheon and came in to meet with me. And, and she wanted two main things. She said, I want to have confidence. I want to know that when I walk in a room, I have something of value to say. And I want to hit my weekly income goals in my practice. Now, there's several tools and different things that I use. As a matter of fact, there's three of them that I teach. I I was hired by American Express six times in 2019 to come in and teach on this. And then to do some deeper dives into these empowering questions, which I'm going to give your audience some big nuggets in a minute on empowering questions. And so we got busy working. and these. Tools all kind of work synergistically together along with my secret sauce. Now, I don't tell anybody it's my secret sauce, even my clients. I just try to get them to do it. October goes by. She's like, "Mm, mm, mm, not doing it. November goes by. She's in my six-month program, by the way. November goes by, "Mm, mm, mm, not doing it. But I was relentless. And the week after Thanksgiving, she finally shrugs her shoulders, rolls her eyes at me. She goes, okay, Carol, I'll do it. And I said, will you do it consistently? And she said, yes. Now, I want you to think about this. I don't know if, if you know when Thanksgiving is, but it's in late November here. And that's when she finally said, I'll do it. I'll be all in. January, February, March, April, and May, we tripled her income every month over the year before. Every wow. month. Right? She's ecstatic. But here's the thing. That's not what excites me the most. She was in my six-month program, which would have been from the 1st of October to the end of March. In the first week of March, after our first session, she kind of sits back, looks me up and down. There's something about these women, right, who look me up and down. (laughs) And she says, so, Carol, can you get me ready to run for judge? I'm like thinking, not in two weeks. When's the election? And she says, 2020. And I'm like, well, when? She says, November. I said, you're going to hire me for another 18 months? You're going to get me ready? I'm like, hell yeah. She said, write it up. Oh my gosh, the growth I got to see and experience in that woman and stepping up into leadership. 
This was a woman that the very first time I asked her to go sign up for a, to speak at a luncheon, she almost wet her pants. It took, <laughs> it took her weeks, took her weeks to go sign up, even though I already knew they didn't have any openings. I wanted her to get into action. Yeah. And that's something that I've learned, especially even more so recently. And I'll tell you about that in a second later on when I make this offer for your, this special offer for your group, um, is that I'm really, really good at getting people into action and into the right action to get results. Nice. I'm so enthralled by your story. It's amazing how far you've come, (laughs) what you've, what you've achieved. So tell me the the three things or a few things that have helped you grow your business over the last couple of years, especially over the last 2020 was a, a show, wasn't it? <laughs> so what has helped you grow your business throughout this time? 2020, the, the change in the last 12 months for me, especially I'm going to tell you in the last three months has been incredible. I told you I was the shake your hand, give you a hug girl. I did everything face-to-face. Why? That was what was familiar from sales in corporate America. In the back of my mind, I knew I couldn't scale. But once again, I was staying in my comfort zone. And then I learned mediocrity lives in the comfort zone, right? Why do you think they say it's lonely at the top? Because so few people are willing to do what it takes to get there. I'm going to drop a few golden nuggets, maybe more than three, if that's okay. Absolutely. The the first thing I would tell your your tribe, I'm going to call them your tribe, your listeners, (laughs) is think about when you complain that things are rough and hard. If the side of the mountain was smooth, you would never climb it. Reframe that and be grateful that there's nooks and crannies to put your hands in and your feet in to climb and that you can build a team behind you to push your butt up when you get tired. Yes. That's That's the first thing I would tell you. I I love that analogy about the mountain because- That that's so powerful. I never even thought about it that way. Uh, but we're so grateful for all of the ups and downs. And I I was talking to somebody earlier, and they said about being grateful for your your down days. And because if everything was good, if every day was beautiful, then it, it you wouldn't notice the bad days or the good days because everything would be boring. Uh, you would lose all you would lose all your appreciation, right? Exactly, exactly. So you have to be grateful for those down days and the bad bits and the nooks and crannies, as you say. So there I was, and we don't have time for this portion of my story, but maybe (laughs) another day. God has seen fit for me to move nine times in 18 months after living in the same home for 26 years. I've moved nine times in 18 months while focusing on growing a business. In 2020 as well? Yes. Wow. I just moved um, five weeks ago for the ninth time. Wow. You must be a pro now. um, I have learned so much. Like, I would have never told you that I thought I was that flexible and that adaptable. I am incredibly adaptable and flexible. Here's one thing I learned also. I've learned a lot. Don't get me off track about what I'm going to teach them. Yeah. One of the things I teach on is that we create as we speak. All my clients grow, they all grow in confidence. I mean, they go through the roof in confidence. And we always start with them understanding that confidence is not a feeling. If you're out there listening, write that down. Confidence is not a feeling. Okay. But they also improve in their languaging, their skill sets of how they communicate and craft questions and speak. So one year, literally one year prior to my selling my house of 26 years, I gave my very first workshop at Kaiser University. First workshop, 
took the title page off of the white sticky board, put it up in my office, didn't think anything about it. I'm moving less than a year later. I take it off. So I'll just take a picture of this so I don't have to keep the paper. Took a picture of it. Fast forward. The title of that talk was called Leadership, colon, Navigating a Successful Course in the Winds of Change. And a year later, that's what journey I started on. Yeah. My co- a coach that I had last year, she said to me, if anybody comes to me, And they tell me they want help with transitions because I'm sending them to you. She said, I have never seen anybody go through what you're going through with such grace. Yeah. That's an important thing as an entrepreneur, right? We get to choose our attitude. We get to choose how we view things. And it's one of the things that reframing also does is it helps you take the emotion out of the conversation. It helps you get other people on the same page as you more easily. I mean, come on, how many of you know that you'd have fewer arguments if you could take the emotion out of the conversation, right? Yeah. So there I was doing my thing, COVID hit. Um, at this point, I think I had moved four, four or five times when it first hit. And I was kind of at a loss as what to do. I didn't have any visibility. I hadn't, didn't have any online visibility. Everything I had done was offline. So I began to research and listen and learn. And in May, and and I'm going to tell you this because you might find some more podcast guests here. You might find an opportunity to grow your business here. There's a group on Facebook. It's called the Rise and Inspire Speakers Group. R period, A period, I period, S period. Tell David that I sent you. I've probably put 15 people in his group. And one week out of every month, he's out of Ireland. And one week out of every month, he has Inspiration Week. And every day he assigns a theme to every day. And if you're in his group, you get to go in, click on the calendar and pick a 30 minute time slot. And you get to go speak on that topic in his group live. I love that. May May 31st of last year, I was so ignorant about Facebook lives. I didn't even understand that there was a chat box or a comment box. I barely figured out how to go on and go live. And I showed up and I talked for 30 minutes. Two weeks later, I had a brand new client out of London. Yay! So the first thing I'm going to tell you, to scale your business, you have to get out of your comfort zone and be willing to do something you've never done before. Yes. I love the power of Facebook Lives. I mean, I'm a Facebook person, so, (laughs) but I absolutely love the power of going live and being able to connect deeper with your audience. And, and And it's funny talking to you and seeing how you've developed over the last year or so. And I never have ever worked face-to-face in my business. Obviously, in corporate, I did. But my business has always been online. Uh, So COVID or no COVID, I still haven't changed the way that I work because it's always been online. I can count on one hand how many people I've got locally, even in England, uh, in my business. Everybody has always been international. So to see how you've transitioned and gone and and scaled is incredible. Thank you so much. It's also be careful of what we say, right? Because the mind, the subconscious doesn't hear the word not. Yeah. Two years ago, I said, two years ago, I said, I do not want to be on Facebook. I do not want to have a big Facebook group. I am all over the place on Facebook now, plus all over the place on podcasts. I have a Facebook group. Um, it's really quite interesting. So last year, my social media manager, she goes, perhaps you need to start saying out loud, I don't want to be a multimillionaire either. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's the first thing I would tell you, right? Get out of your comfort zone and be willing to show up no matter what. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, I can help you reframe any challenge. So the first thing I'm going to give your group is the most powerful of all empowering questions. Now, there's a couple of caveats with empowering questions. One, you're not to sit around and try to figure out the answer. When you put them out to God in the universe, you're saying, what I said earlier, I'm open to hearing, seeing, saying, or doing something I've never done before. That means it's outside of your jar. Your jar is to say it out loud six to eight times a day and go right back to what you're doing. Go back to work. Go back to playing basketball. Go back to dinner. But just keep putting it out there out loud, saying, I'm open. The second thing is, is you cannot be attached to the outcome. You cannot be attached to how it shows up. We said, we said earlier, the reason you can't see these things out here is what? They don't look like what you think they should look like. Yeah. So November, October of 2019, I knew I was going to give three talks to three different groups inside the Tower Club of Fort Lauderdale. It's a big business club, private business club. And so they've been around for a lot of years. And I knew that they had a podium with a mic or this big fat handheld mic. Like that is so not going to work for me. Right. Yeah. So I went over and I had a conversation with them and, and I said, well, what else is possible? Y'all need to write that down. That is the most powerful of all empowering questions. What else is possible? And don't try to figure it out. So she says, Carol, that's how we've always done it. And I said, I know, but, but what else is possible? And she said, Carol, we've been doing it like that for 70 years. I said, I understand. Now I do this probably five or six times. She finally goes, oh, I'll go ask. Now, I want you to listen to what happened. This is really important. A week later, I was testing the very first lavalier collar mic in the history of the Tower Club. If I had been attached to how it showed up, if I had gone in there and said, look, I got to have a headset mic. You know those things that go over your ear? Yeah. I I have to have one of those. I might not have gotten a solution. I wasn't attached to how it showed up as long as I didn't have to stand still behind a podium. Or hold a big fat mic? I love that question because I I was listening, I was reading a book uh, recently called Never Split the Difference. And it was a very similar question. How do you want me to do that? How do you want me to do that? Um, And how how is this possible? How do you want this to become possible? And it was reframing it back on the person. And I was like, oh my God. And it's funny that you've just said the exact same question. I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> because it's so powerful to be like, okay, but how else can we do that? And I've used that phrase now since I read it in that book. And now you've said it again. Like <laughs> I use that phrase quite a lot. Like, okay, I understand your frustration, but what do you want me to do about it? How can I fix this and put it back on other people? It's so, so powerful to think outside of the, outside of the box and what can you do? It is. It's absolutely critical. And that example I gave you of the the lady who, my client who owned her own law firm, right? She stayed in resistance for over two months. I actually interviewed her on my Facebook live page. If y'all want to connect with me on Facebook, there's a lot of you can go listen to. I've done a lot of interviews since um, October, but she said one thing that she had never told me before. And at first she was laughing and she said, yep, I stayed in resistance. And she goes, I would tell people what you have to be willing to do when you get into a good coaching arrangement is give up that need to control. You see, I was trying to get her to do things outside of her box that she wasn't comfortable with. 
Yeah. Think about that. So you have to be willing to give her control. And then she said something else. She goes, you want to know another reason I hired you? A big reason? And I said, sure. She had never told me this before. She said, you had almost 30 years of successful sales experience in corporate America. They don't teach you how to sell in law school. They don't teach you how to run a business in law school. They teach you the law. Yeah. It was an eye opener, right? I just I had a new client start last week, another female family lawyer. But unlike you, I gave my very first live post-COVID in-person talk about a month ago at the Tower Club of Fort Lauderdale. And I thrived. Oh, my gosh. It is such a different experience in doing this, even though I do this a lot. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's every opportunity that I can that's safe. I'm definitely going to go back to speaking live and getting back into corporate America. It's just a different environment. But be willing to get out of your comfort zone and be open to new ideas. Here's another thing. I told you to write down that confidence is not a feeling. I help my clients redefine the word success. Write this down. Success is in the attempt. Success is in the attempt. It's not about judging the good or bad or the rightness or wrongness of the attempt. It's about getting into action, celebrating the fact that you got into action, and then going, hmm, this worked. We like this. This didn't work so well. What can we do differently? And we make a mid-course correction. I actually teach on these three things together. One's called tacking. It's a boating term. Yeah. Um, the art of celebration and empowering questions. Um, and I did that to several groups inside American Express. And I've done it live and everything, too. I think what you've just said, that teaching the art of celebration, people don't celebrate enough in any in any avenue of the world I'm like people I love a celebration I will I celebrate my dog's birthday like I will celebrate anything <laughs> I'm like yes I made a sale cracking open a bottle of champagne like yes <laughs> the sun is out gotta have a glass of wine this is gonna be good anything a celebration just the excuse of doing something different and I think people don't do that enough I totally agree, especially with women. Mm, you know, yeah. we were taught, don't, don't pat yourself on the back, don't brag. And I help them understand that is that we teach people how to treat us. Yeah. We're responsible for that. Now, most people don't want to hear that, but it's true. Um, most of my clients, especially my female clients, they're very challenged with setting boundaries when they first come to me, not when they leave. My clients learn that no is a complete sentence. Yes, the art of saying no, as they say. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But here's the way I view celebration just a little bit differently. My second to last year at my last corporate job, they tripled our quota overnight. It was a big number. So on my Monday morning, I had a one-on-one -on -one private sales meeting with my boss, the sales, the sales manager. And I said, look, I can't even look at that number. Little did I realize that eight or 10 years ago, I was already doing some of the very things I now teach and train people on. So I said to her, when I come in here every Monday morning on a white piece of paper in big, thick red ink, I want my number just for that week. Yeah. Now, some people say, well, can't you figure out your own quota, Carol? Not in the payroll and HR industry, but because your quota, your percentage of quota is different every month. For example, your percentage of quota is super high. Your highest month is the month of January because that's when a lot of companies feel comfortable in shifting their taxes and payroll. 
our lowest quota month was June. Why was that? Because our fiscal year just ended May 31st and everybody's trying to cram their sales into May. So every week I'd go in, she'd hand it to me. I'd go back to my little cubicle. I would put it up on my file cabinet and I would go, hmm, folks, I'm giving you a great strategy right now. I would say, what three things? These got to be bite-sized, digestible, easily doable things. Can I do today to get me closer to that goal? And I would write them down. And as I did each one, I would celebrate. You see, celebration is not just, I mean, I'm all for having a good cocktail or going out to dinner or whatever. But I use with my clients, we also bring in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, so that there's something SOMA going on with the body and the verbal and the auditory. One gentleman I coached, for example, it was unusual for me to be working with a gentleman who didn't celebrate. Most men are like really good about that. (laughs) And so what we did for him, we finally got him. He took his fist and he put it up in the air and he went, yes, really loud. Every single time he had something to celebrate, every time. It's powerful. The universe and God honor what you celebrate. They say, oh, he or she must really like that. We're going to give him more of that. I had one client, when I talk about easy, bite-sized, digestible things, one of her first thing was to stop hitting the snooze button seven times. <laughs> so she, she would hit that snooze button six times and jump out of bed and celebrate. She'd been doing this for years. It took her less than two months to stop hitting the snooze button. After doing it for years and years and years. I hate people that snooze. It drives me insane because just get up. Get up or change the time of the alarm and get up later. (laughs) I am the same way. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to set the alarm every go off every 10 minutes. It's just annoying for everybody involved. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. I don't even know if I answered your whole question about scaling online about some other things that I've done, but... I would encourage you, if you're doing Facebook Lives, find other people who's in align, who are in alignment with you and do Facebook Live swaps. You go yeah. speak to their tribe, they come speak to your tribe, right? Looking at who can be an affiliate. Um, I became an international best-selling author. That's huge. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I mean, it wasn't, people have been bugging me to write books for a long time. As a matter of fact, I already have like four titles. Everybody's like, you have to write a book on that. And you, oh, the reluctant entrepreneur, that's a book. And listen, I have a, um, she happens to be a client of mine now. She wasn't at the time. And I helped her reframe something, apparently, very quickly. And in November, I did my very first webinar, our live webinar. She was on the webinar. And I told people on the webinar that as the queen of reframe, I can help you reframe just about any challenge in 20 minutes or less and give you a new strategic action plan and homework that will set you on the way to get you where you want to go. And she raises her hand on the Zoom and she says, may I say something? And I'm like, sure. And I had no idea what she was going to say. She says, if Carol tells you it takes 20 minutes, don't believe her. And everybody just paused. She goes, it only takes her about two minutes. She just did it for me the other day. (laughs) It doesn't take 20 minutes. And it was so funny. And she said that the thing is you have to do the homework Carol gives you. Yeah. She's a great, great reference for me. And she has grown by leaps and bounds. It is mind boggling. And I'm so blessed to get to watch. But she said she got off the call that day. She did the homework. She got it reframed. She practiced it. And her roommate came home that night, was complaining about something very similar. 
And she said, I looked at her and go, no, 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 no. Carol says. So that's the name of another one of my books. Carol says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go webinars, have you, have you started to use those to, to scale? I have not. Um, I'm putting together, like I said, my Limitless Leadership Academy, Seven Steps to an Unstoppable Business. I will be using webinars to promote that. And that will lead into that as I'm developing that. Um, but I really was just having started having so much success with the Facebook Lives and the podcast and driving that revenue and getting my signature talk down. What I did was five weeks ago, I think, four or five, five, let's say five weeks ago, there was really, really, really bad, bad storms over in Texas, the state of Texas. They got inundated with ice and snow as far south as Mexico. Hello, it's hot in Mexico. Oh, it was bad. There are people there right now that are still without water. It damaged all of the pipes, killed all the electricity. There were people that literally froze to death. It was bad. So I thought, how can I help people and get them to reframe from focusing on what is not working? And my time is valuable. So I said, I'm going to reframe that for myself and I'm going to try to help as many people as I can. So what I did, and I'm going to offer this to yours, I've changed the name of it. It's, it's a little bit different than what I offered before. And I called it a Snowmageddon offer. <laughs> Snowmageddon. Right. I love that. <laughs> and amazing. I started booking calls with people, turning them into clients. Yeah. I had this one lady, she's starting on this Thursday. She had her call with me three weeks ago. Um, it was a 90 minute call. And I gave her homework to do. And I said, we're going to have a follow-up in two weeks. She said, really? You're not going to charge me extra? I go, no, I'm pouring into you. I'm going to show up right now as if you paid me $10,000. That's what I do every time. She said, okay. So I gave her the homework. Are you going to commit to doing it? She said, yes. So I'm thinking two weeks out, right? Eight days goes by. I get this email from her. OMG, OMG, OMG. I don't know how you did this. I got two new clients in the last week. I added 75 people to my email database and on and on and on she went, right? So I write back and I'm like, awesome, da, 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 rock on. And a week later, she goes, I have to work with you. I'm going like, I can't not work with you. Yay. So it's just one of, the, one of the things I've learned is that I'm really, really getting good at getting people unstuck. Yeah. One of, one of, one of my new clients who took me up on that offer, listen to this, told me she's wanted to be an entrepreneur for 35 years. She's read all the book, listened to all the people, gone to, gone to the conferences, did not know what was keeping her from getting into action. Yeah. Had her, had her into action in 24 hours. Wow. 24 hours. That's awesome. Actually, even I was blown away. She sends me this email. I'm like, rock on. <laughs> right? So what can some of the listeners do to reframe something now how can give us a question that they can start to put into place now absolutely a powerful one is this you can frame this around your business you can, I, I, what i'll do is i'll frame it two or three, a couple of ways for you oh let me give you another golden nugget powerful write this down an empowering question never ever ever starts with the word why ever why brings in defensiveness which brings in the ego, which brings in emotion. And when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. It's true for every human being, right? Yeah. 
So one of the ones I would give you just right off the top of my head when you're looking at your business is how would the person I want to become do the thing I'm about to do? Another one I would give you is what one thought, remember they're specific and they're time bound. What one thought that I don't have today that if I were to adopt it would elevate every area of my life? I love that. Or you could, instead of changing every area of my life, you could put it to a specific business challenge that you have, Mm -hmm. personal challenge that you have. I was coaching someone the other day who also has some challenges in her relationship. And um, I said to her, I said, so what if you got up every morning and before you went to bed every night, you said out loud, not to your partner, not to your spouse, you said it out loud for you. Because here's the thing, when you truly learn how to craft empowering questions, you find out who's really in resistance. Mm-hmm. And often we want to do what? Blame the other person. Yeah. When we're in resistance. So what I gave to her was, what one thing that I'm not doing today, that if I were to start doing it, would truly show my wife how much I really love her? How? Yeah. Because so often in relationships, we get to a point where we're like, uh he knows I love him. Yeah. Or she should just know. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. I love, love those questions. Oh my God. I'm just, my mind is whirring like, Ooh, how, what, what thoughts could I start implementing? I'm like, oh, yes. What one, what one, don't, don't say what thoughts you just want what one, one at a time. Yeah. You want it to be, you want it to be specific and time bound. It doesn't mean that when you put it out there that you're going to get the answer today. But every time you put it out there, you say today, today, or perhaps you're crafting it around something that's this semester. I have someone encouraging me to put together some webinars and workshops on how to use these questions in multiple areas. For example, especially in parenting. Yeah. I spoke to a group the other day who has a lot of stay at home moms and they asked me to give them a question. And I said, well, I've never had kids, but I was a kid. We've all (laughs) had parents, right? And perhaps you've done this to your children or you had it done to you like I did. I said, think about it. When your child doesn't come home on time for curfew, what's the first thing you typically do? Why are you late? Yeah. And they get defensive and you end up in an argument and nobody wins. Or this is what happened to me. I came home from school in seventh grade and I was so excited. I had five A's and one B on my report card. I couldn't wait till my daddy got home, right? He gets home from work. I give him my report card. He looked at me. He says, now, Carol, why'd you get a B? (laughs) I said, what do you think I did? I got defensive. I'm like, but dad, I got five A's. That's not what I asked you. Why'd you get a B? I said, but dad, David, that was my older brother. David got two C's and a D. My dad looks at me. He says, and we expect a lot more out of you, young lady. And here's how I heard that. This is the story I told myself as a child that I had to be perfect to earn love. Yeah. That has impacted me in every area of my life, especially in relationships until I learned how to reframe it in the last few years. Yeah. Right. And I was able to reframe that. But here's the empowering question I'm going to give you as parents. If your child comes home with a grade, 
that you don't particularly like. If your child comes home with some kind of report that the teacher sent that you don't particularly like, what if my dad had asked me this question? Carol, what one thing could you do differently next semester to improve upon that grade? Yeah. Different conversation. Now, I'm in charge of thinking it up, and I'm way more likely to do it if I think it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Took all the emotion out of the conversation. There's no argument. There's no shaming of the child. There's no right and wrongness. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, mind blown. <laughs> That's awesome. So how can the listeners get hold of you? What, what can they work with you? How can they c- contact you? What's your offer? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll give you the link. I'll send you the link. Yeah. Um, all of my social media is the at sign at the Carol Boston at the Carol Boston. Now, for some reason, LinkedIn is doing something wonky lately and you have to put at the Carol Boston coaching, but everything else will pull you up to my Facebook, my Twitter, um, my Instagram. And I know you're younger than me. You've probably got a big Instagram too, but I'm just starting to try to grow mine <laughs> um, in my Instagram. You, you, got, you got a question for me? You can email me. I'll answer carol at carolboston.com. But I'll tell you one of the best things you can do for yourself. I made up a special call for this group. It's called Spring Into Action, a Clarity to Cash Call. Yes. Are you ready to spring into action and get clear on what's holding you back from growing your business and creating the income and the life that you want? It's $97 for 90 minutes. That's an 88% discount. People normally pay me $750 for that time and it's worth every penny. That is amazing. The link will be down below in the show notes for everybody to check out. I think that's an amazing offer and everybody should jump on that. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of knowledge. It has been so fun having you. I've just got time for our quick three questions. So what do you do for fun? I love to cook and bake healthy. I love to um, craft cocktails that are low in sugar, but they still taste great. And I love to go to the gym and work out. I love all of those things. I can't bake, so I am appreciative of everybody else's cooking. (laughs) That is amazing. And I'm more than happy to eat cake. (laughs) Uh, What does freedom look like for you? Freedom for me is, and I honestly, I learned this definition from Suzanne Evans, whose show I'm going to be on this coming Thursday. Well, not this coming Thursday, because you're not going to air this right away. But when I heard her give a different definition of financial freedom, she said financial freedom is having made a lot of money, basically lost it all, but having the skill set to make it back again so that you know you'll never be without. I love that. I am learning on developing whatever new skill sets I need to learn and grow in my business so that no matter what happens, I will always know that I can make money. Yes, absolutely. So powerful. And what is the one huge personal goal you want to tick off? I want to speak on a stage in front of 10,000 people live. (gasps) Yes, that would be amazing. I love that. Yes, Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. It's been so fun talking to you. Um, And yeah, thank you so much. Blessings. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today and I really hope that you genuinely learned something from today's episode. If you found this episode useful, then please hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. I personally read each and every one. Until next time, bye.